Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable. To discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada. Hey Ryan, do you want to do the intro? I mean, I still have two chicken fingers left, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> oh, hold on. I have to position my mic and everything. Um, why don't you do the record? Why don't you do the intro? Oh gosh. Hmm? I'll try. I if I totally flub it, then you can do it. Court and I will be judging you the entire <laughs> yeah, I'm time. Listening oh, gosh. No, no pressure. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to Explore FI Canada. Today, we have a wonderful guest from Calgary, Alberta, who is originally from Florida. And uh, with me uh, to interview Court, our guest, is Ryan. Say hello, Ryan. Heyo. And say hello, Court. Hey, everyone. <laughs> so uh, give us a little bit of your story. Let us know how you came to move to Calgary from Florida. Sure, yeah. So I am originally from Florida, born and raised. My dad is a dual citizen. He was born in Ottawa. Two weeks after he was being born, he was adopted and grew up in just outside New York City um, for the majority of his life before moving to Florida. So I never really thought um, that I could get my Canadian citizenship through him. But my wife, who is from Canada, she did some digging and revealed, you know, just because he was born in Canada, I'm able to claim my citizenship through him um, being a first generation offspring. So I have my dual citizenship. My wife, who we met while she was down in the States, we both played division one hockey in the States uh, for competing teams. So we didn't really know each other while we were in school, but we met afterwards through some mutual friends. And my wife ended up coming down to Florida uh, for her second degree in nursing. And that's when we started dating. Was not a fan of the heat and humidity and the people, to be honest. <laughs> um, and we came up to Canada a couple times to visit her friends and family. She's originally from Saskatchewan. We came up there, and no offense to anyone listening from Saskatchewan, but um, <laughs> that wasn't my uh, first choice if I was looking to move. I would not go to Swift Current. Sorry, Swift Current. Nothing against you by any means, but um, we went up again on another trip up to Banff for one of her cousin's weddings. So then I was hooked. Um, I saw the, the amazing Canadian Rockies. And I work in the energy industry. Calgary is a huge energy hub. So I thought work-wise, you know, geographically, location-wise, it would be like the perfect fit. And she has all of her extended family, her aunts, uncles, cousins, her siblings all live in the Calgary area. It's just her parents and her grand grandparents at this point who still live in Saskatchewan. So knowing people in the area, that's all of that is kind of what led us to decide on Calgary. I had been on a couple hockey trips to the eastern part of Canada, but those mountains, they just, they sold me over in a heartbeat. It was incredible. We love Canmore. It's our absolute favorite place place to go. So that's kind of what led to the move up to Canada. Um, and that was back in 2015. And the plan at that time was to quit our jobs, which we did. Um, we had no jobs lined up. Um, the intention was to go travel for a year around the world. And our travels, we started our travels, but it didn't end up being the full year. So again, it was 2015. We came up to Canada to first to uh, meet and hang out with some of her friends and family. And of course, as most people know who are, who are listening from Alberta or everywhere, really, that's when the oil prices um, crashed pretty much. And so a lot of the companies that I thought, oh, I'll find some sort of job, they weren't looking. They were either going through hiring freezes or layoffs. And so then I started looking for some for jobs. And it taken a couple months to find a similar posting of what I was doing back in Florida. And I went for the interview and I said, you know, if we get this job, I'm going to take it. And if I don't get this job, we're booking a flight and going to Japan. And the, the plan at that point was to be in Japan, down south through Southeast Asia um, and down to New Zealand and Australia for six months. And then 
go from there. I did the interview and sure enough, I got the job. I was kind of, and I half-heartedly accepted it because in my head, I wanted to keep traveling, but you know, I knew it was kind of the right decision financially to not turn down a job considering the job market at that time. I don't think there's anything wrong with you playing it safe. It seems like knowing that the oil sector was taking a tank and Great Recession happened years before that, that taking a job and outlining your life and the family that I'm assuming you foresaw, that's okay. I, I think that's actually really admirable that you decided not to travel and to play it safe. I, I, you can always travel later. There's no rule that says you have to do it now or get it out of your system or anything like that. Exactly. And, and we did travel for six months. So I was off from... July until starting with this new job in December. So we did have quite a nice little hiatus, um, but it wasn't the full year. But I totally agree. I mean, we're still going to be in our 30s and able to do whatever sort of travel we want to do. And now actually looking back, I'm actually kind of glad it didn't happen because I feel like we would have felt a little rushed in each city we were looking to go to. Whereas now, if we're looking to do future travels, once we've reached fire, we can be doing more slow travel, which to me is more appealing at this point in my life. So I'm kind of glad it didn't happen, if if that makes any sense. <laughs> so Court, you said you wanted to expat to the Canadian Rockies because you really enjoyed it and your wife was there and you had a job outlined there. How was the transition from going from Florida to Calgary? I honestly didn't really know what to expect at the time of the move. And it was probably two years in the making while we were in Florida between deciding, okay, let's actually make this move happen to really, you know, getting on that flight and landing in Calgary. Um, so over that, it, I'd say, yeah, it was close to two years. It was definitely more than a year. Um, I'll call that the transition time frame. We sold everything, like literally everything everything in our townhouse um, to the point where the last couple of weeks I was sleeping on an airbed and using a towel as my blanket. Like we got rid of everything, uh -huh. um, wow. which, yeah, it was actually, and that part I think really helped propel me towards FI because that's when the minimalist mindset really hit. But when we sold everything, like literally every piece of our furniture, um, any every artwork, like everything, really, I think we we've brought with us our hockey equipment and maybe two or three bags each of clothes and personal keepsakes that we wanted to keep. But everything else was gone, and that really, really helped develop this valuist mindset that I like to refer that we use now. So to answer your question, though, back to you know the, the transition back up to Canada. I didn't really know what to expect. I knew I was going to get more affordable healthcare that I was looking forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not having co-pays and insurance and dealing with all of that nonsense. Like that's been a huge benefit. One of the unexpected benefits that I really, really am enjoying is the, the people like everyone that we've run into is, is so much nicer, so much friendlier, just it's more laid back vibe. People in general, of course, this is just a generalization, don't seem to be as stressed about life. Uh, you know, the American mindset is more, 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 bye, bye, bye. And being able to escape that has been really amazing. And, and my in-laws, they've been great in that sense. Like I'm, I'm just seeing, you know, firsthand how some people, and again, this is just a generalization, how some people in Canada really, you know, maybe it's the farming mentality that we see more in Western Canada. I don't know, um, that it's just more, you know, values driven and you don't need to keep these statuses and keep up with the Joneses. And I, I feel a bit more disconnected from that now being in Calgary versus Florida. I'm able to connect with people better up here. Not necessarily that they're all, you know, on this fire journey, but they just have like that little tweak in mindset that really, you know, had a nice uh, change of pace, I guess, from compared to Florida, where all you do is go to strip malls on your weekends mm -hmm. and spend money. That's basically what everyone does there. So it's nice to kind of escape that the quality of life that we have now is so much better. Um, we're way more in tune with nature, which we love. We, we go for walks every single day. We get out to the, to the mountains 
as often as we can. We're about 40, 40 minutes from the Rockies. And so we just get out and get fresh air, which is so important to us as a family. So knowing that those type of lifestyle changes were on the horizon, that's kind of what helped propel me to make that move to, from Florida. Amazing. <laughs> There's so much to, to unpack there. So you covered uh, a lot of what we wanted to talk to you about, which is, you know, comparing U.S. versus Canada. What, I'd like to go a little deeper with that and ask you about the cost of living and earning potential of the two areas that you've lived in. I assume that it's harder to earn a high income in Canada uh, compared to the U.S. How have you found that to be? Um, not for me in my field. I work in the energy space. I don't work in oil and gas. Um, I work on the renewable energy side of things. Nice. Yeah, which isn't really talked about much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in my prior life, seven years, I was working as an energy trader. So I'm not on the oil and gas and side of things at all. But I found in Florida, the company I was working for um, was really the only renewable, large renewable energy company there. If I wanted to look in other states, I probably could move and find a higher paying job. Um, but in Calgary, I find that there's so many companies, at least in, in my field, in the energy related field, that you have that potential to kind of jump around, so to speak, every two, three years and get that bump in salary if you want it. You know, obviously, if you're happy with your career and you're happy with your job, you know, there's no need for that. But I find like from my individual, you know, standpoint, I find actually the the opportunities are greater um, in Calgary, whereas I felt a bit stuck um, with my one employer in Florida. So that's just, again, you know, just me in my, you know, individual situation. But I, I find personally like that, you know, the pay is actually very similar. It's, it's really not that much different from what I was getting when I was in Florida um, from a salary standpoint. Um, here, you know, you also have pensions, which aren't very common in the States. I happen to be the company I was working for offered a pension, but that's very rare uh, in the States. And then uh, just general health benefits like maternity leave and the cost of having kids is I don't think many Canadians realize like me I'm sure you do but maybe you don't realize like how beneficial that really is like in the states you basically budget thousands of dollars like up to ten thousand dollars to just just to have the kid assuming you know a regular delivery not a c-section that you're not going to be in the hospital any longer you know things like that that like you have to think about in the states or like mm -hmm. Wow. You, you you delay going to get uh, different medical procedures done, whatever they may, they may be, because there's a price tag associated to it. Whereas here, it's much more preventative healthcare, which I really find is so beneficial. You know, right now through my employer, I get, I get, I, it was beyond, it was mind boggling for me to first understand this when I moved up here, that I was one, getting more money in my paycheck because I had more people in my family to support. It just, that makes no sense to an American. It was like, <laughs> what? Like I should be paying, I should be paying more because I have more people in my family that need certain health, you know, benefits. But in Canada, it's like, oh no, you have more people. So you need more money to account for those people. So that was mind boggling. And then the other one was I now get get money to go spend on preventative health, such as Cairo and physio and, you know, massage. That was not a thing in the States. So just little things like that, like that I, I really hope most Canadians don't take uh, for granted because it's so, it's so different. Like the healthcare is so different. I'm like so much on team Canada for the healthcare. Um, like I was in a car accident while I was up in Canada um, in 2016. My car was totaled. Luckily, I just ended up breaking my elbow and um, having some severe whiplash and needing, uh, you know, a lot of therapy afterwards for that. But the day of the accident, I was in the urgent care for eight hours and I was out of it. I had just finished a night shift. So I was like totally sleep deprived and just in and out of sleep. And my wife was telling me afterwards, she's like, you kept saying in your sleep, like, no, let's go home. I don't want to have to pay for the bill. This is going to be oh, a crazy gosh. bill, <laughs> you know? And uh, I ended up with a 
Uh, I think it was $17 or $18. The sling that I had to use for my elbow, you know, wasn't covered through Alberta health, you know, it was like, Oh my God, are you serious? (laughs) You know, it's insane. Like literally night and day, like experience from what it would have been in the States. And, you know, my wife's pregnancy, same thing, you know, night and day from what it would have been in the States and just things you don't have to worry about like that worry factor it doesn't even have a cost associated. You can't put a cost to it. You know, like it's just, I, I really hope people in Canada, like understand and, and fully appreciate the system that's in place. Like, yes, it may take longer to get things done, or you may have to go on a wait list, but the costs of like not knowing what those costs would be, what insurance is going to cover. You might have to go to this rehab instead of this rehab because your insurance doesn't cover it. Like all these things you don't have to think about. It's just, it's crazy. That That is fascinating. I, I'm so glad you shared all this because it's hard for us as Canadians to appreciate what we have. We, yep. we like to cry about <laughs> yep. our system. So that is, this is an excellent wake-up call for us to realize We've got it good here and we should appreciate it. Yes, definitely. It's much, I mean, again, this is just my interpretation, but it is much better here. There's two things that I wanted to say. First one is um, I had my, uh, well, my wife had our kid 15 months ago. So we're right near you, Court. And um, we ended up having to pay, I think it was $45 for parking. <laughs> That's what we paid. Oh yeah, the parking. parking. Yeah. We had to pay for parking right? too. <laughs> Meanwhile, we got, you know, two doctors, three nurses who were all just amazing. They were so good. I left them a Google review for how good Aww. they were. Right? There's a Google I Google reviewed a hospital, a maternity <laughs> ward. <laughs> they were so awesome and our coverage, like once you have the birth, they'll move you into a more of a communal type of setting. Um, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I guess Friday night at 2 AM or whatever is not a popular time to give birth. And <laughs> we ended up staying in the, uh, the birthing ward, I believe is what it's called. And it's basically just like this giant kind of hotel room with, you know, a little bench, a little padded bench for me to sleep on and to, uh, go between the car and, uh, bring, bring anything we forgot in the go bags and stuff like that. So it was just, it was just wonderful. I mean, like they didn't have to, they could have moved us to the communal style award, but they're like, why bother? Like there's no one else here yeah. giving birth. So, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy. So yeah, it's just, we have a wonderful healthcare system. I know there's flaws. I yes. know people will be able to pin certain discrepancies and whatnot, but from what I've experienced, it's always been great. The second thing I wanted to say is my wife likes to frequent, um, especially when she was pregnant, she used to go on Reddit a lot of times to the subreddit, our baby bumps. And that is majority American. And a lot of it is moms stressing out about, you know, having to give birth and they're just hoping and praying that they don't have to do like that. They can just go vaginal with no drugs and nothing else needed. You know what I mean? Like the kid comes out and bada boom, bada bing. Okay. Let's get home because the meter's running kind of thing on this doctor charging me however much money per hour. And I also thought it was really funny. Someone posted, uh, I think it was a meme or something. It had way too much truth to it. Like it, it totally make <laughs> my heart. And I'm going to tell everybody here because it is really eye-opening. In the U.S., you're not allowed to separate a mother dog from her, from her puppies for two weeks. It's against the law. But in the U.S., there is no social security for women giving mm-hmm. birth. It's completely yep. dependent on the employers if they want to give you maternity leave or not. Like it's one of the, it's a, only a benefit yep. of your job. Whereas in Canada, EI will pay you out. Um, and they guarantee your employment and all that good stuff that we've known and come to love. So it is absolutely crazy to me that a dog in the U.S. has more rights than a woman. Let that sink in. Exactly, exactly. Like here, it's an, it's honestly insane to me to be able to have 12, and now it's bumped up to up to 18 months of family leave once you have a baby. Like it is that's insane. Like you said, in the States, there's nothing like it's up to the employer. And a lot of times what people do is they will bank their vacation and their sick days that they have for the year. They won't use them at any other point and they'll just save them for when they have a baby to be able to take, you know, a couple weeks, maybe a month or two, depending, you know, on how much they have banked up. But like, that's essentially your mat leave in the States. It's, it's terrible. Wow. Shocking. That's just shocking to me. I actually didn't realize that the government didn't provide anything. I assumed there was the six weeks that I was here about. That is completely employer provided. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And and imagine now if if court court was it you or your wife that had 
the baby. My wife, Nicole, Nicole Carey. Yeah. yeah. So imagine if her wife is in the US with no insurance mm-hmm. or very little of it, and she has to get a C-section. Mm-hmm. Like that's like terrifying to anybody, to any potential mother. And I think that actually also outlines why a lot of the can you really achieve fire if you have kids mentality? I think that's mostly born out of the US. And there's a lot of Americans like Mr. Money Mustache and um, Go Curry Cracker. Uh, what's the other one? The guy from North Carolina, uh, Root of Good, Justin. who all have kids and they say it's completely fine. Like you just have to not be crazy. Don't keep up with the Joneses and whatnot. But I think from a Canadian standpoint, it's like easy, no yeah. problem, right? Exactly. Like you got, you got uh, child care benefit. You got, yeah, yeah like the amazing maternity ward that got a five-star review <laughs> from me. So <laughs> yeah. And two things to that. Um, one is on top of, you know, how can you reach fire and retire early, not only with kids, but like in the States, the big thing is healthcare is like, how can you do it knowing that healthcare costs are so high? That's such an important issue that a lot of people in the fire community within the States talk about. And, you know, here it's not even a concern, you know, yeah, we're planning to get some supplemental insurance that will cover, you know, dental vision and prescriptions, but to the extent of what's needed in the States, like we're never going to have these one-off crazy, you know, $50,000 bills that we're going to get presented with here. And and knowing that is incredible. And on top of that, like you mentioned, the Canadian child tax benefit. Um, so we're using that actually in our um, fire calculations as a, uh, a way to get below the 4% safe withdrawal rate. So we're basing our numbers on a 4% withdrawal, withdrawal mm-hmm. rate, but we're not factoring in that we're only going to be living on about $35,000 a year. That's what we're factoring. So 875000 with a 4% rule is our target date or target number, sorry. But with that, we have two things in our favor that's going to get us to below 3% safe withdrawal rates, closer to 2.5%. One is the Canadian child tax benefit. Obviously, it can change depending on you know the party in, in power at the time. But in theory, there should be something there. You know, The number may vary. But right now, we're factoring, like if we get $5,000 per child per year until, you know, the, what is it, 17 or 18, um, you know, that's going to bring down our expenses or the number that we need to withdraw significantly. And then the other thing is the exchange rate. So a majority of my investments, about two thirds are in US dollars right now. And when we at the current exchange rate, it's sitting around like 1.3. So if you exchange that to Canadian dollars, like we're way past our fire number, but we're not looking at it that way. So by including the Canadian child tax benefit and the kind of geo arbitrage factor of the exchange rate, we're sitting at like a two and a half percent withdrawal rate by staying at that 875,000 target number. So like those little things too, like that's a benefit that Canadians can utilize. Like right now I'm a high earner where I don't really get much from the Canadian child tax benefit. But when we retire early and now we're sitting at closer to 35,000 at most, you know, to start, I think it's going to be even lower than that since our child costs aren't going to be that high. Um, But, you know, we'll get that child tax benefit and use that in our favor to help us with fire, to help with the, you know, the sequence of return risk that I'm like, I'm super cautious and super worried about that will really help, you know, us mitigate some of those risks being by being Canadian. That's such great thinking. And that just reinforces what we talked about in one of our episodes about what we call the 4% assumption, where people in the FI community, they think of these very creative ways to get around that 4% withdrawal rate to lower it Mm -hmm. to a more sustainable rate, whether it's by working a little bit part-time or like you, by counting the child tax benefit or just the uh, currency arbitrage. You know, it there are lots and lots of ways to get that withdrawal rate down to a sustainable number. And I think it's amazing that you shared this because a lot of people, I don't think, think of these things and yeah. it, it pays to be creative for sure. Yeah, exactly. And you have to be thinking, you know, not what are my expenses right now? And what is my income right now? You have to be thinking, you know, forward thinking of once I reach fire, what situation am I going to be in? And it's going to be, well, for us, it's going to be very different. Our income's going to look very different. Um, 
you know, from what I'm making now versus what we're planning to withdraw. So it creates these opportunities to utilize these benefits that aren't available to us right now while we haven't reached retiring early. And to your point too, Christy, I, I listened to your um, episode on the safe withdrawals. I really like that episode. And to that point, you know, we're also very cognizant that, you know, if we need to go back and work part-time, we can find something, you know, whatever it may be. And we've, we've calculated if we can bring in $7,000 a year, that brings us to a 1.8% safe withdrawal rate. You know, if for whatever reason I am like going super cautious and super conservative and want to bring in $25,000, which is currently what we spend about each year, we spend about 24,000 right now. If I if I don't want to touch my money because there's a market crash in say two years, once we reach fire, you know, I'll be able to find something that pays $25,000 a year, whether it's just me or my wife and I both working part-time, you know, whatever it may be, you know, that's the beauty of fire is it just opens you up to all these different options and life just doesn't become as stressful. And if it means like, Hey, I'm going to go work as a coffee roaster at my local coffee shop, like, so be it. You know, that's cool. Like, why not? It's something totally different than what I've done before. But I have the flexibility to go do something totally different just because. And and I was talking to someone else a while ago about this. And, you know, when you're in school, uh, you're starting university at, what, like 18, 19, something like that. And you're suddenly deciding what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Like, how do you know what you're going to do when you're 18 or 19? I sure didn't. I was delaying entering the workforce. I went to school. And then right after I got my graduate degree, because I was just, again, trying to still figure it out at that point. And I still don't know really what I want to do. Um, But to that point, you know, now that we've reached fire in our thirties, you know, that opens up the opportunity to explore other avenues of things that you don't even know existed or just explore things that you've always been passionate about, but never actually pursued. You know, that's the beauty of fire in general is that just opens your world to things that you want to do that you're actually interested in. You know, there's, there's really no downside to fire. You know, if you have to go back to the workforce, you know, so be it join, you know, 99.9% of society and doing what you were doing before. But if you can, you know, go explore things that you're actually passionate about, like where is the downside there? If it brings in money, great. If it doesn't, who cares? You know, it doesn't matter at that point. But like, that's, that's what's so magical about this is it, it's like this, uh, like psychological shift, I guess, that like the world just becomes fun. And, you know, it brings more meaning to your life because you're not doing this Monday through Friday, nine to five grind, living for the weekend just to clean the house and do meal prep for the next week, you know, and like be this kind of robot. It now like just frees up your mind to think creatively about things that whatever, whatever you're passionate about, you can go and do it. So speaking of fire, uh, you before we started recording, we we're chatting about how you felt like you had to come out of the closet yeah. twice. Can you can we talk about that a bit? I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, you know, being a lesbian couple, we had to come out of the closet. Um, this was you know years ago, but my luckily, you know, my both Nick and and my family and friends are all super supportive. We weren't expecting there to be any sort of like issues or red flags with it, but still the, just the idea of having to have that conversation of having to say that sentence, like I like girls or I'm a lesbian or however you word it, you know, it's really scary. Like just not knowing your, the reaction that you're going to get from your friends and family. And again, like we went into this knowing that like no one was really going to like shun us from you know, society type of thing. And if you're in that situation, I, I, I couldn't even imagine, like it would be devastating. Um, but just having to have that conversation mm-hmm. is like gut wrenching, you know, you feel your heart beating inside. You're like, I don't want to do this, but I got to like, just to move on and, you know, again, open up that space in your mind and feel better about yourself. Right. And so we had, we both went through that and, and now, um, about six months ago ish, I started our Instagram account, fire two moms, one babe. And 
recently, just about a month ago or so, we launched our blog, um, which is all focused on, you know, our fire journey and financial independence. And I feel like I had to come out again for that because you're just revealing a part of your identity, you know, that's like, no one really talks about money. It's this taboo topic. And, you know, we're revealing our numbers, you know, like our net worth and what we spend and how we spend our money. And it's, you know, just topics people don't normally talk about. And here we are again, having to come out of the closet being like, Hey guys, like we've reached financial independence in our thirties and we're lesbians. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> I can only imagine the conversation. I bet it went something like this. Mom, dad, yeah. I'm a lesbian. Oh, that's okay, sweetie. We love you. Mom, dad, I'm going to retire early. How dare you despise society like that? That is not okay. You go back to work like a normal person. <laughs> oh, I have not had the conversation with my parents about fire yet. Like I have not talked to, this is like only something that no one, like actually a couple of my friends know because I've, we've, I've learned over the, over some time that they're into fire too, but none of my other friends or family know about our, you know, our financial situation. Like I, I cannot figure out how to approach that. I am avoiding it. I think it's harder, honestly, to talk to them about that than telling them that I'm a lesbian. Like, like you're saying, right? Like that conversation is going to be a lot harder to explain. (laughs) Isn't that sad? Sorry. (laughs) Chrissy is uh, completely out, I guess is the way you should describe it uh, with her fire plans to her family, but I am not to my family. And I never thought of putting it as an analogy of, yeah, I'm kind of trapped in the closet (laughs) with my finances, (laughs) but it's true. I am. I'm paranoid that people will, not people, pardon me. I'm paranoid that my family will judge me based on the amount of money I have, because inevitably they're going to look at my net worth and they're going to miss the whole point of the philosophy behind fighting. Exactly. And they're going to go to, wow, like he just got lucky in the stock market Mm -hmm. or um, he just got so much more help from dad, obviously. Mm-hmm. That must have been what happened, right? And they won't be able to appreciate the fact that I worked hard and my wife worked hard. Exactly. We've we've struggled a bit. We've sacrificed, surely. And we've educated ourselves to blaze our own trail on this path. And that's going to be completely missed by people who just don't get it. Yep. And that's why I'm going to probably be in the closet, the fire closet. <laughs> For quite a long time with my family. I mean, if they find this podcast and they they recognize my voice and my my situation, because you know I do have a wife, a daughter, and I live in Kitchener, so I've already kind of I, there's only so many different pieces <laughs> of alphabet before they, they get the equation, yeah. right? But you know, if they do, they do, and hopefully, if they're listening to this podcast, then they're okay with the whole fire. <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's how they're going to find out, and that would, that would be preferable because I'm sure if I were to try and tell them or sit them down. I've had conversations like that before and they lead nowhere. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I feel like, you know, how do you explain to someone who's never heard of fire, uh, you know, that, Hey, I have a net worth of over a million dollars and I don't need to work anymore. Like how does someone actually grasp what it took to do that? You know, I'm struggling with it, obviously, as well. I mean, now I think the mainstream is starting to take on more, uh, you know, articles about the fire movement, which is good, you know, and there's obviously the playing with fire documentary, things like that, that are slowly coming that are, I think, will ultimately help all of us throughout, you know, this coming out stage. But I totally agree with you. I feel like, you know, the point is going to get missed. It's going to be like, oh, you know, you must have, you know, started Snapchat or, you know, whatever the case may be, like just this assumption that like you Mm -hmm. got, you had some sort of lucky break to get you there. And the other thing that I'm struggling with is like, I don't want to tell people that we've retired early and I don't want the expectation to be like, oh, okay. So now we can all go like, as if we won the lottery, like let's go on, let's go on this vacation and you pay for it all. Like, no, no, no. Like that's not, that's not how it works. You know, we have, we're very regimented here with our finances. We've, we've calculated exactly what we're going to spend 
end each year, you know, we have to stick to this plan in order for it to work, so to speak, you know, hopefully the market grows faster than our expectations. And we never we make more money than we're anticipating. But you know, that's another one of my concerns is like, oh, like you have all this money, like, let's go do this, this, this on your dime. It's like, you know, I'm all for giving for charity and helping people in need. But that's where I'm struggling too. is like, how do you explain to your family that you've done this without them expecting something in return, I guess. So can you tell us more about Nick's role in all of this? I mean, you obviously you discovered Byer before Finn was born. How did you decide for her to stay at home? Because obviously that would delay your fire journey. And how does how does Nick play into all this? Is she in agreement? Does she is she fully on board with Byer? Oh yeah, she's totally on board. So when we first met, that was back in the end of 2011, we were dating long distance at the time. She was living in Boston and I was down in Florida. And when I came up to visit for the very first time, months after us talking, she had a mattress just straight on the floor. And I never really thought anything of it. you know. And years later, she tells me that Prior to me coming up to visit, she was actually just sleeping right on the floor, not even a mattress on the floor. <laughs> like she was on this like extreme student budget, like living this total frugal life. So she, that just gives you a little background. Like she was not the spender type of person to begin with, you know, prior to us meeting each other. I learned about fire through a coworker and introduced it to her and she was totally on board. Like there was there was really no, you know, hesitation from her end. She's just more kind of low key, goes with the flow. And so and I'm definitely more the number cruncher of the two of us. I'm I was a math and econ major. So like I love playing with spreadsheets. So I handle all of our finances, but she's totally on board to like go with it. And she's all about retiring early. And and to that point, so how we got to the decision that she was going to take the full mat leave and and not return um, and now be a stay-at-home mom is, is she's a nurse. So she ended up going to nursing school and she absolutely hated being a nurse. I think there are some nurses out there who know this is their passion and absolutely love it. And then there are some other nurses that just like the schedule or, you know, find one or two things that they actually enjoy. But she was that nurse that just hated it. It's just the the patient to nurse ratio, people thinking they're in a hotel versus there to get care, it's just thinking you're going to get sued. So many things, you know, the shift schedule, which I personally am a fan of shift schedule, but, you know, different things um, kind of lined up that like she was not enjoying her job at all. So when we were deciding, you know, on, on mat leave and everything, it was very clear that she did not want to return to work. Like she hated it. She despised it actually. So that's kind of what led to her being a stay-at-home mom. And and again, ultimately this is about happiness, right? And like your your path towards happiness. And we don't believe that you should be depriving yourself just to reach this FI number by this certain date. You know, it's a journey that you have to be enjoying along the way. And if you're not and you're battling with something that you you're not uh, particularly enjoying, you're going to start to resent it, you know? So for me, it basically was like, she was a casual nurse, so she wasn't working full time. So her income wasn't as high. So for her to go to become a stay at home mom, you know, it meant I essentially had to work like what I'm doing now, like another year or two. Like if she was to keep working throughout and didn't take mat leave, we basically would be at our number today. Whereas it's basically adding an extra year or two on my end to get us to our projected number. And, you know, I enjoy what I do. I don't love it, but I enjoy it. You know, it was kind of a no brainer to us that, you know, if I add on another year or two, you can never have to work again, you know? So it was more that sort of conversation that we had to have. And, but again, it wasn't like a, a, disagreement or an argument or any means. It was just like, we both knew she was not happy as a nurse and, and not saying being a stay at home mom is easy by any means. It's honestly like the hardest job in the world, but she would do that in a heartbeat any day over going back to nursing. And again, this is not to bash nursing. This is just her, you know, experience. She's honestly so much happier. So, and again, that's ultimately what we're going after for here is just happiness. So we're trying to master that slowly. (laughs) Yeah. We're, my family is it was in the same boat you know i 
I did love my job, but there was no way I could go back to it and be mm-hmm. a good mom. You know, I knew that there'd be overtime and I'd have to start, get to work by 7.30. And by the time I got home, it'd be after school, you yeah. know, all those things that we had to consider. And our decision was, let's just give it a go and have me stay at home full time. And I helped to supplement that by hosting international students. That was our house hack. And I know you have house hacked yourself as well, but that was our choice. And it was tight in the early years because my husband actually didn't earn that much, but it was enough with the Mm -hmm. students that we were able to get by. And for me, it was the best lifestyle decision we could have made. Like we've had such a happy, peaceful life because I've been at home full time and have been able to give our family, you know, the space and the time to just be together and just enjoy life and not be, you know, scheduled up the wazoo and, you know, having to run around like both parents constantly all the time. It's just, it's such a gift that we've been able to do that. And yeah, it took a bit of sacrifice and a bit of trade-offs to get there, but it was so Yeah, I totally agree. Like same, same thing with the schedule to that point is like, she has now has all day to, you know, whatever it may be, go to the grocery store and cook dinner or do laundry, you know, whatever it is in that day that she's different errands, she has to go run. And she has all day to do it, which makes it for a more enjoyable experience. Like she loves going to the grocery store. So she'll go, you know, four times a week and it's not seen as a chore. It's like, oh yeah, we get to go to the grocery store, get Finn out of the house, you know, something to do. (laughs) But like as two working parents, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd be able to think like that. It'd be like, okay, I'm home. You know, we have to, what's for dinner? Uh, What are we going to have for supper? And then we have to get this, this, this done. And then you're exhausted and trying to go back to sleep. So I I totally agree with you there. And and on that point, I'm actually also considering shifting to part-time work myself. So we've been looking at it for months now. I, I need to decide like in the next week or two, but I am heavily leaning at this point towards shifting working part-time. And what that essentially does is we would be at our fire number in about a year if I kept working full-time and it would be about two years if I switched to part-time. And again, like it's not about this race to get to this number by this certain time. It's more enjoying the journey along the way. Right. And so that would free up my time mm-hmm. to, you know, be with Finn, like as a 16 month old, like Ryan, I'm sure, you know, you're going through it right now. Like there's so many little changes going on in her life every day, like different words she's picking up and different, just different things Mm -hmm. about her environment that she's slowly learning. And I get to experience that more. And, and so that is my driving factor towards wanting to shift towards part-time at this point. You know, if it, if it takes two years versus one, so be it. But I think I'd be there for more of the milestones um, that I want to see like at this early age in her life. And, And, you know, then the ultimate plan is if we do have a second baby, be done at that point. And then, you know, while the kids are young and prior to them being in school, be home all the time. And then once they're in school, then maybe pick up some sort of part-time job during the day while, you know, while they're at school for a couple hours, if we want to do that, you know, if not, so be it. But that's kind of our general plan for the next couple of years is just to enjoy and savor these moments while they're so little and, and cute. And rather than like you wanting to kick them out the door, like get out of here, type of thing, you know, <laughs> so that's kind of our strategy here. <laughs> my daughter, I just caught her today. I had her uh, on my master bed and mm-hmm. I was kind of like tossing her around. She loves like, <laughs> uh, just like a little bit oh, of like yeah. play on the bed so I'll like tip her over and she just starts giggling and stuff like that I'm sure Finn's the same way and uh yeah exactly and so I put her down and I turn around and I start getting changed and I look back and she's climbing the damn bed <laughs> and she's like a foot <laughs> off the ground she's like 15 months old I'm like oh ah! and I like rush over right like a, like a worried little parent yeah. and I just couldn't believe it she'd never She'd, she'd never exercised that type of strength before. And I'm looking at her. I was just like, <laughs> my heart was racing. And I was like, oh my gosh, like eventually she's going to be able to climb out of her damn crib. And yeah. like the moment that happens, you immediately have to take them out of it and, and give them a, you know, a mattress or whatever. Right. Exactly. But I was just like, whoa. And it's those type of things. I wouldn't have seen that if I had taken overtime. I wouldn't have seen that if I had, have had to go to work. And I'd love to mm-hmm. speak to your point before, because the whole reason I'm on my fire journey is because I want to be a stay at home dad, mm-hmm. because exactly. I don't want to have to work 60 hours a week to supplement a lifestyle. I don't care about. 
I, I just don't, I don't want to do that. And it was funny because I discovered my love of personal finance and the fire community long before I actually began pursuing it because it was always in the back of my head. Yeah, I would be rich one day, yada, yada, yada. I'll be like a millionaire by 40. I think that was my like overriding truth to my life. I knew that was going to happen. And then my wife gave birth and I looked at my kid and I just, my heart just completely sank because after two weeks leave from my work, I had to go back and I didn't have enough money to not go back. I have to provide for my family. And it sank in with me there. And I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to look for the cheapest cell phone plan. I'm going to look for the cheapest internet. I'm going to begin churning credit cards. I'm going to do all these things that I put off because it came with too much quote unquote Mm -hmm. startup cost that I just couldn't be bothered to do it because whatever, I was going to be rich anyway. So why bother? Now I understand this is why I bother. This is why I pursue it. And it's ultimately the reason I'm starting this podcast and started my blog and I'm active on the Chooseify Canada Facebook group. It's because... If I can talk to people, fine tune my plan as much as possible without having to pay for it, you know, with a financial plan or whatever, then I know exactly what I can do to bring as much optimization to my life exactly, and get home that much sooner. I mean, if my kid doesn't have to stay in daycare for longer than a year, I think I'll have done her a great service to her life and to my own life as well. I totally agree with you. I mean, back in the 20s, when we were starting through our fire journey, you know, we didn't have the plan of having a family one day. Like it was always a thought, but like I never saved really with that in mind. Cause like you said, you know, Oh, you know, I'll keep working X amount of years and I'll always make money and it will never be a problem. But now that we have our kid, like I am so fortunate to be in the situation that we're in that like, if my job is driving me crazy and it gets to that tipping point, like I could just leave. Like I know we'll figure out something, you know, and we're, 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 we're beyond five for our family of three, which is basically right when she was born. So like that was such an incredible feeling now that I'm a parent, like looking back at it. And like, that was incredible. Like to, to be able to be at that financial situation right when she was born, like how many people can be in that set setup, you know, where, like you said, like she's never going to have to be at daycare ever. And like how many people can say that? So many people are thinking about, you know, daycare costs and, you know, like the schedule jumping around here and there from your job to picking up your kids and all of that. And all those stresses are gone. And you don't really think about that in your twenties prior to having kids or, you know, whenever prior to having your kids is. Um, but now that we have a family, it's just this, it's this amazing feeling, I guess, inside, like, it's just hard to put it into words of knowing where we are today, like, because of 10 years of hard work prior to has lined up perfectly, like with our family set up that, you know, we could be at home 24 seven together, the three of us if we wanted to right now. And it's just, it's, it's inexplainable, like how good of a feeling that is so, like, to be a parent to be there and present like, with your kid is, is it's it's incredible. So should we head into our signature questions, Ryan? I think we should. So I will start with my signature question and it is are you team fi or team fire? We are team fire. Yes. Ah. <laughs> Christy, you've asked a lot of people that question and no one cares for your FI nonsense. That is so Please explain why you've made the right decision. Well, so I heard Christy and Bryce's um, response to this and I, I just agree with them. It's like that acronym to it is so magical. Like where else can you use fire? Like, do you hear fire being thrown around? It's like, this is our movement. This is our like name, you know, like just the name to it is, is awesome. But also like our ultimate goal is to retire early, like retire early in the sense that we don't have to be tied to our current corporate job. You know, whether that means we never work again or we do something we're passionate about that happens to bring in income, like that's a TBD in the future, you know? Um, But I think ultimately it's, I've heard F-I-O-R, financial independence, optional retirement. So it still spells fire, but it's worded a little different. Um, But I, I just like the idea that you know, the end goal is it's a combination for us, at least it's to reach financial independence and reach that point where you can retire early. And so I think the word fire, you know, encompasses all of that. Awesome. No, I love that answer. 
Okay, question number two, mine. What is your order from Tim Hortons? We are operating a Canadian podcast here. <laughs> okay, you guys are going to hate me here. Um, so I'm, I'm Team Canada for everything except Tim's. Like, I'm just not a Tim's fan. Um, the reason being... You heathen. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have, I have a little explanation for it. So I do... If I was, My answer, I guess, is the firmer sausage wrap. I'm not going to give you a, a coffee order because I just don't like their coffee. If they... If they ever decided to bring in matcha tea lattes, that would be my response. <sighs> Me too. But, you know, let's talk to Tim's. Let's bring in some matcha tea lattes, then we're talking. <laughs> That's my favorite, too. I love matcha. Matcha <laughs> anything. <laughs> Me too. Okay. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, the Farmer's Wrap is a great one. And actually, uh, for their coffee, I prefer their old blend because they ended up taking over their coffee roasting process and that's they switch beans and all that and so mm. people a long time ago got kind of really mad at that but it's convenient so you know they just had to suck it up right but yeah. mcdonald's <laughs> actually has their uh, their old formula now it's made oh. by a company called mother parkers which is a really 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 big company for roasting beans so huh. if you want the super old good coffee of tim's you have to go to mcdonald's oh wow <laughs> that's a little tidbit I, I know that's true in ontario i don't know if that's true elsewhere in canada i would imagine it would be but that's fair. uh yeah no yeah sorry i'm just for everybody i'm just not a coffee person to begin with so i, I think that's like just a skewed um answer because i don't I don't have a op coffee. I don't go out to coffee really ever. At home, I make espresso, which is, you know, so small. And then the whole rest of the mm -hmm. cup is filled with milk. So it's really just <laughs> very light brown milk that I drink in the morning. <laughs> so, and no Ew, one. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No all one right. else has been like, ooh, I like that too. No one else <laughs> has ever said that. No. I'm just, We're all judging. You right yeah, now. I know. I know. I'm just not a coffee fan. So I like have to milk it down completely. So it's not nothing against Tim's. I think, well, I did once try to order that once. I said, can I get like half a cup of coffee and the whole rest with milk? And they looked at me like I had, you know, 10 heads. So since then, I've just learned not to even place a coffee order when I go out because it's not going to be to my liking. <laughs> oh, man, I've heard of people doing crazy things with their <laughs> coffee order. Like Tim seems like the one place where you can go and order like I want like my bagel toasted and buttered and then inserted into my coffee. And they'd be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> like they say yes to anything, right? They're like the king and queens of modification. <laughs> well, I used to work at Starbucks. I was a barista for a while. And one customer came in and, and you know, I, I called out some super long order, like, you know, uh, a short, extra sweet, half fat, you know, <laughs> decaf latte or whatever it was. And the customer's like, what's next? Is, gonna, is there going to be breast milk lattes? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> People do get crazy with their drink orders. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on court. Like I said, we could go on and on with you, but we'll have to we'll have to end it here. So can you tell our audience how they can reach you, where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. So um, we have two ways of connecting with people, um, either through our blog, which is relatively new. It's uh, www.modernfamily.com or through our Instagram account, which is fire two moms, one babe. It's the number two and the number one. And everyone has to check that out because Finn is so cute. He has so <laughs> many awesome family mm -hmm. photos there. She's adorable. <laughs> she's a handful, but she's awesome. <laughs> yes, I love her fiery hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she fits our family well. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Well, thank you so much, Court. And yeah. uh, we, we will have to try to have you on again because there, like we said, there's so much more to dig into. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, I love talking about this stuff. Like we, like I was saying earlier, you know, I don't have people that I actually know in real life to talk to about. So I love, you know, connecting with other like-minded people. So this has been great. I, I really appreciate you having me on and would be happy to come on any other time. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefy.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.